So the king of Babylon, he puts Zedekiah on the throne now. And he's really nothing more than a puppet. Vassal puppet is really all he is. And it says in verse 18, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned 11 years. Every creature is unique in a song that it sings. All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Since Nebuchadnezzar had completely humbled Judah, he put a king on the throne whom he thought would submit to Babylon. He chose a person that was an uncle to Jehoiachin and a brother to Jehoiakim. His name was Zedekiah. He also did evil in the sight of the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 36 verses 11 through 20 tell us more of the evil of Zedekiah, specifically that he did not listen to Jeremiah or other messengers of God. Instead, they mocked and disregarded the message. God's patience and long-suffering had finally run its course, and he allowed the conquering of the kingdom of Judah. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 24 in the book of 2 Kings. Promoted him, and that's why the kings after him promoted him, because there was an excellent spirit in him. And it was because of that man that Nebuchadnezzar, I believe, is in glory. But before he got saved, before he gave his heart to, to God, to Christ, Nebuchadnezzar was controlled by the devil. Yes, the devil. And he didn't want the weaklings. He didn't want the things that nobody wanted. No, he wanted the best. And the devil today, he wants the best of your kids. He wants your grandkids. And he's going after them through all the social media. He's going after them through all the movies, all of the magazines, all of the music. It's so putrid and putrefying and and, and filthy. There's very little left that is clean and pure and holy anymore. And the devil is doing a grand job. But don't give up, Christian. Love your kids. Work with them. Talk to them. Your kids and your grandkids. Don't give up. You can't afford to give up. You've got to stay in the fight. You can't be and just roll over and die. No. Don't think that, it, well, it's too late now. Hey, you know what? That's exactly what the enemy wants you to think. You get on your knees, you start praying, and you start talking to your kids. And is it going to be easy? No. Are they going to resist it? Yes, they are. Love them, love them, work with them, and listen to them. Listen to them and love them, and you will gain the right to speak to them. And place restrictions where you need to place restrictions. Do you let your son or your daughter or your grandchild, do you let them have an iPhone or or an Android device just unfettered and just let them do whatever they want, unfettered? If you do, you really need to be, (laughs) you really need to think about that very clearly. The devil is going after your kids. We need to pray. 
The church in America needs to pray for the very valuable people. We're all valuable in God's eyes, don't get me wrong, but those kids, those grandkids are very precious to God. It's never too late, and don't give up. Try, try, and pray, and try some more. Don't give up. Notice, and he carried Jehoiachin captive to Babylon. Oh, I'm sorry, I've got to back up to verse 14. So he carried into captivity Nebuchadnezzar, all Jerusalem, all the captains, all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives, and all the craftsmen and smiths. None remained except what? The poorest people of the land. The people that nobody wanted. But does God love them? Of course he does. Those are sometimes the most valuable people. But yet, the world chooses the creme de la creme because they want to be served. And God says, well, I can choose the, one, the, 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 the things, the people that nobody wants. They can serve me and do a much better job. And I love that about God and his heart. Notice, and all the valiant men as well, 7,000, and craftsmen and smiths, 1,000, all who were strong and fit for war. These, the king of Babylon, brought captive to Babylon. And I don't know if you knew this, but there were three different deportments of Jews from Babylon. Write this reference down next to this verse. It's Jeremiah 52, verses 28 through 30. This is important. Write it down because there were three different deportments See, when Nebuchadnezzar came against Jerusalem around 606 B.C., they began to lay a siege to the city, trying to starve them out. They didn't go in there and just wipe everybody out. They surrounded the city with embankments, and they tried to starve them out. But they had a, they had a river going through, the Gahon Spring, so they had plenty of water, and they had plenty of food for a season. And they did that for 20 years. They laid siege to Jerusalem for 20 years. And within that 20-year time frame, yes, some Jews, they were able to get out of the city. And so they had three different deportments of Jews. Jeremiah 52, 28 tells us, and let me read it to you. These are the people. In fact, I'd encourage you to read all of chapter 52. We're going to be looking at it next week. But these are the people whom Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive in the seventh year of, we're talking about of, of, Bab, of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. In his seventh year, which is around 598, 597 B.C., 3,023 Jews. In the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar, so now we're looking at approximately 587 to 586 B.C., right around the time that they would actually set fire to Jerusalem, he carried away captive from Jerusalem 832 persons. And then in the 30. Uh, 23rd year of Nebuchadnezzar, and so we're looking at 583 to 582 B.C., after they had already destroyed the temple, they went back and got even more people. It says that Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive of the Jews 745 persons. All the persons total were 4,600. So these are the ones that were taken captive. Three different installments, little by little, putting a a siege around them for 20 years and three deportments of Jews. And did you know that Ezekiel was one of those captives? Ezekiel was taken captive from Judah and taken to Babylon, and that's where he wrote his prophecy. That's where he wrote the book of Ezekiel. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter 1, let me just read the first three verses. It says, he says, Now it came to pass... In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river river Chebar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God, on the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of Jehoiachin's captivity, 
The word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. So he was taken captive, and so was Daniel. I mean, we'll look, um, I think we already looked at Daniel, and he told us that he was taken captive during that time frame. Probably the very first deportment, perhaps. Or when they first laid siege, he grabbed the best of the land. There might have been arguably four different deportments, and, and, and Jeremiah lays out three of them, and there may have been one prior to the one I spoke of firstly, but that remains to, you know, uh, <laughs> I'll just leave it there. Um, so anyway, verse 17, back in our text, and we're coming to the end here. It says, Then the king of Babylon made Mataniah, Jehoiachin's uncle, king in his place, and changed his name to Zedekiah. So one thing you have to remember is Josiah had four sons. So think of Josiah here, and then he had four sons. There's one son called Johanan, which we know nothing about. The Bible doesn't really speak much of him at all, very little. We don't know anything. But then he, uh, Josiah had Jehoiahaz, whose name was Shalom in other scriptures. Then he had Jehoiakim, and then Zedekiah. And that's who we're speaking of right now. His name was Mataniah. But Jehoiakim, here in the center, we had his son, was Jehoiachin, and, um, and that was um, Jehoiakim's son was Jehoiachin. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It almost sounds like a, like, a, like a Chinese dish or something. What will you have tonight? I'll have Jehoiachin soup, you know. <laughs> you know, so... Um, so the king of Babylon... He puts Zedekiah on the throne now. And he's really nothing more than a puppet. Vassal puppet is really all he is. And it says in verse 18, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years. Again, 11 years. Do you, do you see something similar about this? If you looked at the reign of, you know, like of, uh, when I talked about Jehoiahaz, the, the, first, or the son of Josiah, he reigned for three months. His, his brother next to him, Jehoiakim, he reigned for 11 years. Jehoiakim's son, Jehoiachin, he reigned for three months. And now finally, Zedekiah, the other son of Josiah, he reigns for 11 years. So you're looking at about 22 years, 22 and a half years from when Josiah died. And it's not a pretty sight either. 22 years of just, just being destroyed. Zedekiah was, verse 18, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna, again, not Jeremiah the prophet. And notice, he also did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done, according to all that his brother had done. For because of the anger of the Lord, this happened in Jerusalem. Because of the anger of the Lord, this happened in Jerusalem and Judah, that he finally cast them out from his presence. And then Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. And I want to read to you, and then we're going to finish up for tonight, okay? I want you to go to one place and turn there, if you would, please, uh, to Jeremiah chapter 52. Next week, we're going to be looking at this a little bit more, but I just want to give you a, a, a foretaste of... Uh, not only finishing up uh, Zedekiah's life, but also 
given you a little bit of a hint of how we're going to finish up next week. And then the following week, we'll get right into Chronicles. And we'll move a lot quicker when we get to Chronicles because it's really a recap of everything we've looked at in First and Second Kings. But it will look specifically at the kings of Judah. And it'll be, um, there'll be some more information there, but we won't move as uh, slow as we have in First and Second Kings. So look with me at Jeremiah 52. So it gives us a little more information here. And it says, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years. Because now we're going to find out how Zedekiah finally died and, and what happened to him. Because if we were relying upon Second uh, Chronicles or Second Kings 24, where we're at now, you wouldn't know this. But Jeremiah gives us this information about what happened to Zedekiah. And you can see how he rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. And this is how he did it. And it's recorded for us here in Jeremiah 52. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. He also did evil in the sight of the Lord, and certainly he did, according to all that Jehoiakim, his brother, had done. For because of the anger of the Lord, this happened in Jerusalem and Judah, till he finally cast them out from his presence, and then Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. That sounds almost exactly like what we just read in Second Kings, right? But now it goes on. Now it came to pass. Here's new stuff, new information. Verse 4. Now it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army came against Jerusalem and encamped against it. And they built a siege wall against it all around. And that's what they would do. Again, in those times, a lot of times, they wouldn't just go in and kill the people and just take over. It's, it's a, lot of, uh, a lot of warfare, and a lot of their own men are going to die too. And when a city is like that, and if they can surround them and starve them out, even if it takes years to do it, and especially if it's a big city, and if, especially if it's a walled city, they'll just wait. They'll just wait. They'll camp out there and build, a, build their tents and put out their RVs and plug into the you know, electric sockets and they'll just sit out there and have campfires and wait for the, and just keep an eye on things. And, and when they come out, they'll kill them. And if they don't come out, they're eventually going to run out of food. We're going to run out of water. So that's what they did. They waited. They built a siege wall against it all around. So the city was besieged until the 11th year of King Zedekiah. So we're talking 11 years they were sitting out there in the field laying a siege against Jerusalem and probably getting very tired of it. Think about these men who have families at home. These Chaldeans, these Babylonians. They've been there for 11 years. Who knows, maybe they sent shifts back to, you know, and they had a you know, 30, 60, 90 day you know, where they would spend, you know, who knows what they did. But they spent 11 years until the 11th year of King Zedekiah. Now notice this. By the fourth month, on the ninth day of the month, the famine had become so severe in the land that there was no food for the people in the land. Yes, this is exactly what they wanted to happen. And did you know that the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, it prophesied of these very conditions that they are going through. And God would do it again in 70 AD. When Rome would surround, surround Jerusalem in 70 AD. Same kind of thing. They would, they would run out of food. They had water. The Gahon Spring was thankfully running, 
But they ran out of food, and you can only go without food for so long. And they began to eat. Mothers would eat their children. They would have their children, and instead of raising the child, they would boil them and eat them. And that was, that's horrifying. But that's exactly what God had told them back in Deuteronomy. That would be the consequence. Things would get so bad that they would do this. And they did indeed do it. So by the fourth month, on the ninth day of the month, the famine had become so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then the city wall was broken through, and all the men of war fled and went out of the city at night. Notice, they did this at night. They, they tore through the wall. They wouldn't go through the gates, because obviously those things are being watched and monitored and surveilled. But they, they tear a hole in the brick wall somewhere of the, of the wall of Jerusalem. <clears throat> and the men of war go out. They flee and went out of the city at night by the way of the gate between the two walls, which was by the king's garden, a very specific location, even though the Chaldeans were near the city all around. And they went by way of the plain. And, but the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king. So Zedekiah and a group of armed men somehow got out through, you know, and, and, they, and they took off probably through... Uh, going down toward maybe Masada or down in that area, trying to escape, go down the Jordan Valley, a lot of holes of rocks you can hide in, a very great hiding place if you're trying to run from the authorities, running from the FBI, etc. <laughs> I threw that in just for fun, aren't you glad? <sighs> Don't get me started. So anyway, so they took the king and they brought him up to the king of, uh, I'm sorry, the army of the Chaldeans, they pursued the king. They overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho, which is exactly where I was telling you about. And um, what they would do is they would, they, would, they would go out of the city and they'd somehow avoid the, 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 the guard that was out there, maybe caught them when they were sleeping or whatever, or being lazy. Because after, after all, 11 years have gone by, nothing's happening. So I imagine those guys, after a while, are just sitting out there playing cards, you know, <laughs> playing chess or something. And you got a couple guys who... You know, sneaking by, and another couple, and they don't even realize it. So they overtake him in the plains of Jericho. All his army was scattered from him, speaking of Zedekiah. So they took the king, Zedekiah that is, and brought him up to the king of Babylon. And the king of Babylon at that time was in Riblah, up north yet. So all his army is down here around Jerusalem, but he's way up north in Riblah in the land of Hamath, and he pronounced judgment on him. And then the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. He killed all the princes of Judah in Riblah, and he also put out the eyes of Zedekiah and the king of Babylon, bound him in bronze fetters, took him to Babylon, and put him in prison till the day of his death. So the very last thing the king Zedekiah saw where it was his sons being assassinated in front of him. And then they took probably uh, pokers with uh, heated at the end of them and, and held him down. And, and th- I know this is kind of disgusting, but I am a man after all. So they would put, you know, and that's how they would put out his eyes. And he couldn't see the last thing he saw. And so next week we're going to be looking at the fall of Jerusalem. We finally come to it. <laughs> this is like the end of it all. Before they be led captive. But aren't you glad again that God, even amidst all of that horrible stuff, God is a God of grace and a God of love, but he's also very severe when it comes to truth. 
and we need to obey him. I would encourage you to read Deuteronomy chapters 27 and 28. And I think even, uh, let me just check one thing here, 27 and 28. And then compare these things, these blessings and cursings that God told Israel before they even came into the promised land. Yes, uh, 28 and uh, 29. Yeah, read, read, read 28. Actually, 27, 28, and 29. And then read those three chapters together. And then juxtapose it with what we're looking at now. And God told them in advance. And God tells us in advance. I like that because I don't need to worry about tomorrow. Do you have to worry about tomorrow? I mean, we really know the big picture, don't we, folks? Can you imagine not knowing what's coming? To me, that's what I love about studying the Word of God is we have every confidence in the Lord. We don't need to worry. Is it going to be a... a a smooth thing that we're going to go through? Is it going to be easy? No, I don't think it's going to be easy. Maybe we'll have a, a small reprieves. I don't, I don't really know. But don't worry because God has it covered. And he's got us in his hands. And he wants to use us. Will you be, allow yourself to be used by Almighty God in these days? Remember when he said to Esther, I think it was Mordecai, or the Jews, they said to Esther, perhaps you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. When we're about ready to die, when, we're about, when we're, everything is just about ready, ready to be scrubbed out and, and it's going to get really ugly, perhaps you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I have to ask myself and all of you, perhaps we've come, we were born at this time when we were born and God knew when we would be born and he knew what was going to happen in our time. Perhaps we've come to such a time as this. So pray about that and let the Lord encourage you. Let's, uh, let's stand and let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this, this history, Lord. There's so much practical about it, even though it's very difficult. Lord, for myself, as I, I read this and I reflect on my own country, Lord, it brings me to tears. It has. It's broken me in half. And Lord, I pray that you would just refuel us, that you would revive the church in America. Revive me, God. Change my life, change my heart, and change the life and the hearts of my brothers and sisters. Lord, would you do that work? Would you do something now that you haven't done in a long time? Would you do something really awesome and completely blow us away, Lord. Use us. We don't ask you to use somebody else, but use us, would you please, and help us to be willing and available just to walk in love and in grace and allow you to do the work. It's that simple. Have your way with us tonight, Lord. Bless my brothers and sisters. I pray that you would love them so much tonight that they would just sense your presence with them and that they would know that they are loved beyond the shadow of a doubt, Lord, that you have got them and you've got me and Lord, you've got us. You have us, Lord. Renew and revive us again. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. That's the end of our lesson for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Second Kings.
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.